I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't have time to introduce the podcast today. It's brought to you by LeCold. They make it possible. Benji's here. Criterium did open a stage two, and I am hot to trot. This is maybe one of the worst tactical displays from a variety of teams that I have seen in 2021 and I I'm frankly disgusted it's let me get the profile up if, if I even I didn't even want to do this recap I've just done 23 days straight of the Giro d'Italia Briud to so I can't pronounce it so goose it's 173k long medium mountain stage we've got 40Ks of flat, then 8.6Ks, 7.2%, difficult to control, rolling all day. We have virtually no flat in 120 kilometres from the start of that first climb, like 9Ks, 4%, 4Ks, 4%, rolling ridgeline at about 1,000 metres. Then they descend, short valley, and then a 7K, 6.5% climb, 1K descent, 1,400 metre, 5% climb, and then a five-kilometre descent. Extremely difficult to control. Lots of climbing, but no extended ones. We weren't expecting GC action. Who do we get in the breakaway today, Benji? So we got riders in the breakaway that we do often get in the breakaway, but not necessarily for proper hill stages. Berstelberger, who was one of the riders, we noticed that um, he usually does his on cobble races, but not necessarily on uh, these types of parkour. Shane Archbold, uh, lead out. Then we've got Matthew Holmes, who was in the break quite a few times in the Giro last year, and Anthony de la Plus. So four riders, not necessarily a break-winning, uh, a stage-winning breakaway from like first sight. And definitely with the final hill, you'd say, oh, if anyone in the peloton cares here, they should not have trouble at all catching these people. And Bahrain seemed interested. Just like yesterday, they put their team at the front basically the entire stage, but they do so after giving the breakaway five minutes. And usually in stages where you want the break not to win, you're going to try and keep that a bit lower than five because five is still like pretty risky. We saw that yesterday. It's like they made the mistake yesterday of letting the gap be too big and not chasing it soon enough in a proper fashion. And it seemed like they were almost trying to do the same today. And yeah, perhaps it would also turn out pretty badly for them. But it, Especially it really- with the descent finish. You can't count on the last 8Ks to bring back a minute that easily. Same we saw yesterday, as Benji said, with uh, Bren van Moor. So maybe explain to people, Benji, like why is it more difficult to control and why is five minutes more difficult uh, on a stage like this? Is it similar to like the Campo Felice stage where you need like an FDJ keeping it at 3, 2, 2.30 all day um, so that you know, it's, it doesn't become a big problem at the end. It, it kind of def- depends on your team. And with Bahrain, it is an issue that they showed yesterday that they don't want to pace with the turns. They don't want to pace with a Hague. They've got Colbrelli. They've got a few riders that could work throughout the stage. But the moment that you get to that hill at the end, then you're going to have likely not too many of your domestiques left except for turns, a Hague and so forth. So at a certain point, you're going to have to choose what to do with those riders if you want to try and get a stage in a st- stage race like this with Colbrelli. 
And I think that's one of the issues to that. Additionally, you also indeed have to look after the descents you were mentioning earlier. Those descents are not really uh, usable to get Gavs back in. And it certainly uh, did much today because there was this, uh, I think with a good 35-ish kilometers to go, you got a plateau section before a descent. On that plateau section, we saw moves in the breakaway and we saw the fact that Holmes got dropped just like Della Plus. So we had Hürstelberger, and Archbold left. And that's kind of an obvious attack from those two, because on paper, I would say that Holmes is the better climber of those four, although his season so far has not been too amazing compared to his performances last year. And I'd say that it's normal that these two riders, Archbold and Pustelberger, flat rulers, are going to try and launch an attack before the climb starts to have a bit of a gap on the others before the climb starts. It happens. But they've got 2 minutes 50 going into that descent, the gap at the bottom of that descent is going to be still above 2 minutes 30, unless you've got like an insane descender setting pace, and everybody in the peloton being able to follow that insane descender, which is not going to really play in the cards here too much, because that's not the case here. So the gap indeed smoldered down a tiny bit to like 2 minutes 40, 2 minutes 38, I think. Well, it went to 2.20. It went to 2.20, and then as Benji says, when Ineos go on the front, they are not chasing the breakaway. They are just maintaining and controlling the race, particularly on the descent. And it goes out to 240, 250 again. And it's, in fact, Trek trying to bridge a, I don't. I actually, I don't know what Trek were doing. Maybe they were trying to make sure Sturvin didn't get dropped on the final climb, trying to give him a head start, I think, Benji. Um, Pedersen tries to attack on the descent, uh, but they get brought back. He had Sturvin in the wheel. A little bit weird. And... The contenders we'd have, for, we got some climby sprinty boys here, Venturini. We've got attackers in Wellens. We've got Patapantra, who won Marseillaise in a sprint after a climb. Obviously Aramburu. Got Aramburu, seriously, memes aside, like big contender for today's stage. Colbrelli, second yesterday, and after Romandy, he's climbing extremely well. Dylan turns on Bahrain. He could attack on the climb. We have as well, oh, yeah, you might have heard of him. He's won a few races like this. Alejandro Valverde for Movistar. I mean, the, the plan and strategy for Movistar is like the most obvious thing you'd ever see in the world. You want break control. You'll keep maybe uh, who they got here, Benji Arcas. Okay, I, I, I like Arcas. Put help Bahrain with Arcas, and this is the problem. I'm not going to criticize Bahrain for anything they did today because no one helped them, and no one helped them yesterday. You've got. All these other teams, I mentioned riders who have an interest in today's stage. Riders, by the way, and teams, they don't win World Tour races every week. Movistar won two races last year. One was World Tour level, I think. And Azure Desert don't win every week either. And you've got a big opportunity here with not many sprinters. There's no peaks again where if you get a reduced group, you have a big chance of winning. And Movistar it was very straightforward. Help Use Arcas to help with the break pace on the or Rojas, get Rojas to keep you in good position for the final climb, pace on the base with Erviti and Verona, and then have Miguel Angel Lopez, by the way, you know, this is the problem. they got three riders all trying to go for top 10 on GC, Lopez, Mas, and Valverde. Well, they need to happen, and this is what happened on the climb eventually, which I shouldn't skip to, but none of those are going to sacrifice their place in GC. They're going to try and stick to Ineos and Thomas. But anyway, they get to the climb, in your start pacing with Jumbo Visma, and we're like, <laughs> Perstel Berger, he goes clear. He's got a gap of, I think, 220, 230 going into the base. This is good news for Lucas Perstel Berger. 
And we saw DSM again, Benji, with uh, Marco Brenner. Remind people who Marco Brenner is once again and what he did today. Marco Brenner is a, a pretty young guy, a pretty young German guy. He uh, dominated the junior races a few years ago, I think two years ago now, together with Quinn Simmons. And they both went straight to World Tour without doing E23. They won their races with quite a big margin every single time. And we're winning the majority of races, those two, in that season. And in all honesty, pretty big talent. And, um, well, I think that he's going to do a lot if he continues growing the way he's doing it because he's not necessarily winning stuff already, but you notice that he's like moving up in the GC rankings a bit in all the races he does. And he's like top 20 there, top 20 there and all that together. Yeah. It's, it shows that he's got talent and he showed that today as well, but I don't get the attacks of the SM sometimes because it's the second day in a row where they attack with a 50 second gap to the rider that is front solo on a climbing section with a rider that I would not expect to be able to outpace the rider in front of them. Even perhaps on the climb, they'd be stronger. But the second that it becomes flatter again on top of the climb, then I I, I believe that personal beggar is a really strong ruler rider. Stronger. So he shouldn't be, be having too much trouble keeping them behind. But it, it was honestly quite intense then suddenly because we saw an attack by Ben O'Connor, right? That launched it off. Yeah, well, DSM, Felix Gohl and Brenner, just, they, they were like, let's just sit in front of Carlos Rodriguez on Ineos, 15 minutes in front of him for 10 minutes and achieve nothing. And Asia, no one's helping Ineos, by the way. Ineos, eating into this gap, setting a hard pace. Like, it's dropping people. It dropped uh, Brent van Moor, so he lost the jersey, dropped Christoph, dropped Froome, uh, dropped Warren Bagui, Benji, which is a bit surprising. And then they get to this false summit, and then there's a short descent. I think before that uh, false summit, yeah, as Benji said, O'Connor attacks. And he's moving quickly. We see the gap's now down to 30 seconds, but Perstelberg is putting time back in on the, the short one-kilometre descent, very quick descender. And then the short Côte de Massé, 1,300 metres, 4.8%, not particularly steep. And Ben O'Connor's caught by the peloton because there's a big acceleration. And I'm not sure which Movistar rider it was. They had four riders. So I presume it's the three of them there are Mal, Lopez, and Ma- uh, yeah, Mal, Valverde, and Mas. And I assume Verona, or poor Verona, is always having to do the work for three of those riders, set something up, but then it stops. They pull for 15 seconds. He looks behind, and then nothing happens. I think Valverde might have attacked shortly, but it was, then, it's, then it was on because all the other GC contenders were marking him. O'Connor gets brought back. Pace goes out of the race. They get over the crest. I think Perstelberger, a 20-second gap. Bahrain have Colbrelli in the group. They got Dylan Turns there. And I think Haig, I can't remember if Haig or Turns attacked. Aaron Baru's also in the group. Venturini's been dropped. And then Bahrain sit up a bit. Now, I'm not, I don't think we should criticize Bahrain too much, Benji, because I think you saw that Colbrelli was actually struggling a little bit over that crest and they were at risk of dropping him. Yeah, we saw that with the attacks that indeed happened from that Movistar rider, but also by his own rider. I think it was Turns that made a move as well on the climb. We saw that a lot of people were jumping towards it, and those were GC riders. Flaverde had to close down a gap towards that Bahrain rider because his domestique was basically done for. I think that was the Verona you were talking about. And then we saw the people responding like a Thomas getting on the wheel. But yeah, it was Bahrain pacing, trying to then, they're like, oh, okay, we've got Colbrelli in the group. They were chasing, Movistar were chasing for Valverde. 
Astana weren't for Aram Baru for the final sprint, but Persselberg was too strong. 1,500 metres, 20-second gap. He's still really strong on the descent. Wins this stage eventually with over a 10-second gap to Colbrelli winning this the reduced bunch sprint for second two days in a row. Feel a bit bad for him, Marco Haller and Bahrain Victorious. They've worked for two days in a row, got no help from any other team, just about Valverde on his wheel for third, Askren fourth, Bistrom fifth, Conrad sixth, Van Wilder seventh, Manavarmat, Arambru and Godu rounding out the top ten. Other GC contenders all there. Looks like to me, uh, you know, Port, Thomas, etc. I'm just going to check the Movistar guys. Yeah, they're all there, and it was Verona pulling on that climb. So GC, Perstelberger goes into the leader's jersey. I think he takes it off from Brent van Moor, 12 seconds ahead of Colbrelli. Valverde gets himself a little four-second buffer on the other GC contenders. But I started this podcast pretty, pretty mad, Benji. Why do you think... Who do you think is most ruining missing out on on the stage today? Is it Movistar? Not what? What should they have done differently? Should they have destroyed that last little fourteen hundred meter climb or the climb proper to try and drop someone like Colbrelli and bring the break back? I think there's quite a few teams that you could look at and point the finger at. Like first of all, you're you're saying you are, we shouldn't play Bahrain. I, f- I still feel like they made mistakes today. They made mistakes in the sense that they're trying to use turns to drop people from the group on the climb itself. Colbrelli has trouble closing the gap towards that, which is not really an issue if he's able to hold on. But the second that they do cross the gap and Colbrelli's there, then turns is not pacing anymore. And it takes a good 30 seconds for him to get to the front and actually start pacing again. That is the 30 seconds that is literally the time that would have been necessary most likely to catch Berger Because if you start catching or if you keep pacing on top and you don't have that moment of everybody looking at each other, then Berger doesn't have that moment of gaining 10 seconds again just after the crest. So I think that teams made a mistake there looking at each other. And I think a lot of people were just hoping that someone else would take over. Bahrain did that eventually with turns. We saw that Izagiri, I think, was moving to the front as well to try and help out Aramburu. Very who, late. Yeah, indeed, very late. And... Um, I guess they also wanted to do the same thing in the sense that it's also kind of their GC rider, right? So are you going to spend that? They've got Lutsenko as well. I didn't see him pace in that group, but I don't know how much trouble he was in on the climb, so I can't tell you that. But like you mentioned, the Movistar, they've also got the luxury problem of having so many leaders, like you mentioned, that it's difficult to choose who should do something on the climb. I think that if you've got three leaders, you might as well use one to be offensive on a stage like this. And if that is the case, then you can do more than what Valverde did closing people on the climb itself. He didn't exactly make a big move trying to do something on the climb itself, in my opinion. And as a consequence, I think that every single one of those teams is certainly someone you can point at. But also just if O'Connor never attacked here, it would have never gotten as close, I think. Because it was the O'Connor attack that sparked everything, it seems for me. So I kind of thank O'Connor on one end to make that move, but on the other end, uh, I can't say that was a stupid attack because he actually got relatively close while nobody else got that close. The SM, they just seem to be attacking just to attack and uh, uh, I don't know, they're not closing down anybody that that is going away. They need, at the moment, stronger riders to do something like that. 
any other teams that we could blame. I think we saw Groupama even pacing at a certain point too late as well. But who are they even pacing for? They've got Godu. Like, he's not likely not going to out-sprint the Cobrelli, I would say. Um, Valverde, he did almost do it Conrad. in a... Like, he's not going to beat yeah. Conrad in a, in, a, in a sprint, I don't think. I mean, I, you're talking about the final, Benji, and 100% agree with what you're saying about the last sort of 10 mm-hmm. to 15 kilometers. This is something stemming back from the Giro with Taco yep. Vanderhorn. This is something from yesterday, where the break won yesterday. I see the problem is further back down the road. The break management is being done poorly. As Benji said at the top of the show, five-minute gap and then no one helping Bahrain. It's all well and good, fierce fight to try and come second in the last 15 kilometers. Oh, we want the stage now. No, what you need to be doing is helping Bahrain, and maybe they don't because they're, well, I think it's less forgivable today, Benji, because some teams maybe yesterday they're like, why would we help Bahrain so that they can win the sprint with Colbrelli? And I get that. But today you have an option to drop him and he could have been dropped if other teams hit that last 1,500-meter climb super hard. And I think they need to be, Moussa need to be contributing Arcas or Rojas. I think Ajdezer Citroën, who have they got to help with? Uh, Oliver Narsen or Godon, they can help for either Van Avermaet or Parapantra if it's a harder race at the end. So right, they need to be contributing riders to help Bahrain bring the break break back because they've pretty much got Bitrago and Marco Hala competing against Archbold and Perstelberger all day and Mark Pudun who pulled off earlier and what was I going to say My, another point is team allocation so Movistar have brought three leaders where really what they needed is they don't need Miguel Angel Lopez here he probably should have gone to the Giro but I think he got sick they needed Antonio Pedrero on that final climb to pull after Verona. They need a domestique like that or Nelson Oliveira, and they don't have that. They've got too many cooks in the kitchen, and, uh, yeah, that's why I think I think they, yeah, they're almost denying Valverde an opportunity. Otherwise, Sven-Erik Bistrom, just remember that name for UAE, Norwegian guy, uh, compatriot of Christoph. He's, he's 29 years old, but he's a big guy. He's, I think, 189 centimetres tall. To be getting over that climb is pretty good, and I think he's an option for, I mean, I'm just impressed he got over that climb. Him and Askren, very good level from them. But any other takeaways from this stage, Benji? I'm pretty sad that Aaron Brewer didn't really get the opportunity to sprint there because he was in a, in sixth position and got totally blocked in for the sprint. Of course, his positioning was not good enough in, to actually come out in the sprint, but he might have been a... In the wheel of Valverde, at least at the end. So ah, ah, he he couldn't show his power today, but he will in one of the coming days. I can feel it. Nonetheless, memes aside, I think that we noticed that there was a small skirmish from GC. We noticed that certain people were going for it, and yeah, we mentioned a lot of GC riders yesterday, but we've lost quite a few already. McNulty losing ages of time yesterday. Fingergaard losing a lot of time today. Those two riders, for example, we were expecting more, right? Yeah, I th- I was expecting more from Vingegaard, but I think I'm not surprised to see Thomas trying to get in the mix. Either Buggy, super surprised by it. I do want to, I know I've been complaining a lot about the the uh, teams with the riders, maybe who were the favourites for the stage. I do want to give a big congratulations to Lucas Perstelberger. I think incredibly strong to hold off a peloton chasing like that to be in the break for 150 Ks plus. 
his second World Tour level win, and he's done this before. He won a Giro d'Italia stage, the opening stage that was supposed to be a sprint stage, well-designed stage, by the way. It was 207 k's long, and there was a climb with about 23 k's to go. And he held off beating the chasing peloton, which had Caleb Ewan basically coming second. He must have been from a break, Benji. He's got the same time, but I, I'm assuming he didn't beat Ewan Greipel and solo in a sprint <laughs> in stage one of this year at Italia. <laughs> so, yeah, incredibly strong from Perstelberger. This seems to be his MO for stages and, uh, yeah, well-deserved taking his second World Tour level win. What about tomorrow, Benji? We've got, I think, a... Uh, Maybe this has got to be the day for Cole Brelli or Christoph, surely. Or maybe it's it's a little bit uphill. They're tricky stages at yeah. the Criterium de Dauphiné. You want to, have you looked at the profile? Yes, uh, I was uh, actually looking into the uh, actual finish line, and it's harder than you would expect because okay, the last two point three kilometers are three point five percent average, so that's not necessarily oh oh it's so difficult. But the last seven hundred meters are average five point seven percent. So I think this is going to be for the bunchier of sprinters, not necessarily, uh, I don't know. I was doubting whether you would choose between Peterson or Steven here for Trek. I, I'm not sure. With 5.7% for 700 meters, I think Steven might be a better option perhaps. Yeah. And that was the one team I was looking at like, oh, they've got two options for this and I don't know who to go for. So I think that Steven would be a better option for someone like Trek. I think Steven's also... A pretty good option for the stage, but indeed, Colbrelli is the name that shouts. But I'm gonna have to go once again for the legend himself, Alex Arambu, is gonna win the stage. I really wish Coffer just had brought Christoph Laporte here. I think Laporte, you saw him come second behind Roglic in a harder finish in Paris Nice. He would have been a good option to take a world tour level win here. I've I've not looked at it as closely as Benji. I think the sprinters should be getting there to the base, Christoph, yeah. as well. It really depends who takes it up. If it's slow, I'm going to go with Kasper Asgren, Benji. Ooh, good thing. I think, I think Asgren is looking good. He, he might want to go into the leader's jersey. Do you think someone like Niels Pollitt, is it too hard for him? What do, you, what do you think about him? Or will he lead out Conrad, or would Conrad lead out him? Not sure, actually. I... Oh. Pollitt, he's done decent sprints in the past. I don't remember too many uphill sprints from him, but on paper, I dare to say he's got a better chance at doing an uphill sprint than on a completely flat sprint to do something against like the competitors that are present here. And I think that hmm, outside of those riders, it's difficult to find certain candidates that could do really, really well here. I was looking at the French teams, but... And Nathan has, like five years ago, I would have said yes, but not anymore. So he's out of it for me as well. Matswitch Schmidt could potentially get a top 10 in the sprint here, but I don't expect more than that. And Who are Agent 2 are going for? Are they going for Van Avermaet, Venturini, Narsen or O'Connor? <laughs> oh, it's either Van Avermaet or Venturini for me on this finish. Um, I don't think... Narsen is on the same punchy sprint level as those two. And yeah, I think it's either one of those two. They did Venturini on the first stage. And Van Avermaet has won stages like this in the past. So it's going to be their decision. I generally wouldn't know. But you, you indeed said Asgren. Um, we also have Seneschal, but I'm not True. sure about that. It's I think he'd be leading out Asgren personally. 
Yeah. You think Fabio Jakobsen probably hasn't shown the condition yeah, yet. Uh, he's still coming back. I think Valverde takes some more bonus seconds. He comes third in the wheels of uh, one of the bigger guys winning the stage. But I just don't see him having this, the kick to win. Like he was in Colbrelli's draft for the whole finish today and couldn't even come over his back wheel. Uh, Kwiatkowski, Benji, you think he gets freed by Ineos? Nah, I don't believe in it. <laughs> not allowed. Maybe Guillaume Martin or David Goudou on a flyer, but probably not. It'll be too quick. I, I think it's not that difficult. But a little, uh, quite an interesting finish. Maybe we're forgetting that the breakaway always has a chance at, at the Dauphiné and it could be a break. Uh, I'd love to see Tim Wellens also try something from far out. I think it was a shame they dropped him back to pace for Van Moor when he could have been going for stage honours uh, today. But anyway, pretty interesting stage tomorrow at the Criterium de Dauphiné. It never stops. We've got to do our Giro recap tomorrow. And maybe if the fans want it, a Movistar, the least expected day special bonus podcast episode, Benji and I reacting to that. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We enjoyed uh, doing it. It's an interesting thing about the tactics from the teams. And we'll see you at the recap of stage three tomorrow. Ciao. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.